Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hi, everybody. Before we get started this week, we wanted to acknowledge what's currently happening across the United States. Triple Jump absolutely believes in the cause of those currently protesting in the US, and for that reason, we've been raising money in aid of Colour of Change. If you wish to donate, please visit triplej.mup forward slash BLM, that's Black Lives Matter. The link will be live until Monday the 8th of June if you'd like to give. We wish all of our US supporters well and stand alongside you when we say Black Lives Matter. Hello everybody and welcome to the Triple Jump podcast. It's a video game podcast. My name is Ben. And my name is Peter. Alright Peter, uh, what are you doing? How's it going? Uh, I'm just recording a podcast right now. What are you doing? Yeah, just sort of despairing at the state of the world. But you well, know, what can what can you do, right? Well, actually you can do quite a lot. Triplejump.mup forward slash BLM and also protest if you can. Um, we're going to talk about video games today. We uh, we don't want to obviously completely ignore what's happening in the world, but at the same time, we understand the power of having distractions and some escapism. Mm. Um, so we will it will feature in the podcast from time to time what's currently going on, but largely we will be talking about video games, and we hope you enjoy it. Yeah, there's a balance to be struck. The the BLM link is there to you know hopefully use our platform to do our bit where where possible. Um, but also the podcast is here for those who would quite like to just maybe get away from it for a for a little bit and then hopefully get back to it and and do do some good work too. Yeah, a hundred percent. Where are we walking today? See, I remembered. Anyway. You remembered. Uh, very good. What about uh, a sort of a nice uh, tropical beach, mm. like a desert island, a desert island, a desert island? That sounds. Mm. That sounds really good. Have you seen that UFC want to hold, um, want to get around uh, sea virus restrictions by holding fights on a private island? Ooh, wow. As and in... they're going to call it Fight Island. <laughs> wow. When you say that, do you mean that if they're on a private island, they can do what they want? Is that is that what you mean? Like, it means legally? that they can get around travel restrictions because they can fly people in from different countries and right. they don't have to worry and they can get fighters from all over the world rather than just domestic fighters. Yeah. Know? It's a bit more I won- complicated. I wonder if there's travel restrictions to the uh, to the Principality of Sealand or whatever it's called. Mm. You know, the, that concrete platform in the North Sea or, wherever, or the, the English yeah. Channel. 
Yeah. That would be interesting. It would be uncomfortable to fight on a big concrete panel, I think. Although it would be fun because you could throw people off it. Right? You could. That yeah. would be that would be half the fun. The the reason I mention it is because and this is fun. Uh, John Oliver did a bit recently on his TV show last week tonight where uh, he said, why didn't you call it UFC, but spelled S-E-A? And then UFC trademarked it. Did they? Yeah, so I hope they they call it that. Wow. That would be amazing. I hope you get some sort of uh, royalties for that. I think they did it out of pettiness, actually, and spite, which is always a great motivator in business, Mm. tend to find. Absolutely. Anyway, this is a video game podcast, we promise. Uh, We get sponsored by a a real sponsor each and every week. Peter's got the ad read in front of him right now. Yes, I have. Uh, Oh, God, would you you like to win a whole load of turnips? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah? Well, there's a brand new competition that you can enter. Well, it's not just a competition, it's a sport. There's an actual sport that you can go and take part in socially distant i'm i'm sure uh where you just take a, a small critter and try and throw it as far as you can whoever gets it the furthest wins the big bounty of turnips yes that sounds that sounds a little cruel oh it it sure is it's very cruel um that's one of the selling points to be honest okay uh roll up w- roll up w- waiting for the punchline win some turnips in this year's 2020 annual grand championship of animal tossing. Oh, oh no, that sounds way worse. It does actually. I've just realised that that's a, there's a synonym there, or not a synonym, a homophone. Um, yes. But don't worry, it's about throwing them. Not. Don't, yeah, don't worry, it's just about throwing animals. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. What would be what would be worse of the two tossings? I don't know. I don't want to think about it. I don't anyway, we're sponsored by this very wholesome and. Uh, uh, wonderful company. We endorse this message and this practice. No, I'm going to say it. Yeah, I'm. I'll be glad when this one drops us next week. Yeah, yeah, me too. Yeah, maybe we should drop them. Yeah, you think next week? Yeah, we'll re- we'll do another ad read at the end of the podcast, but then we're okay. immediately cutting ties with with such a cruel sport. Do not so- toss animals good. in any way, shape, or form. Don't unless you're a farmer and you're you know it's, there's there's the whole you know. There's there's like a breeding process with cattle cattle and stuff, you know. Yeah, like artificial insemination. It's important, you mm. know, in I'd some like think, aspects. I'd like to think there's a machine that does that. I don't think farmers. Oh, well, I don't. I don't know. I, don't know. I, don't, I can't speak as a as an authority figure in the world of animal tossing. Mm. Yeah. Any cattle sense. farmers in in the audience? Let us know. Do you actually toss animals, or do you just? Is there a device? Is there a guy for that? Yeah. Do you have a guy who does that? Do you get the tosser in? Yeah. Mm. That's, what, that's what he's called. Yeah. Animal tossing. Coming never, hopefully. Uh, yeah, well, d- uh, again, another poor choice of words on your part. Yes. Well, mm. yeah. <laughs> Animal tossing. Finishing. Arriving. Arriving. Uh, 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 Climax. No. No, 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 no. Is it real, though? Oh, it's not real. Don't worry. Oh, okay. oh God. Thank God for that. You you worried me there. You you. It went on for so long that I thought, oh my God, this might actually. We might actually be making money from this sponsor. I worried you and got you. Got him. You did you? 
got me real good. Yeah. No, the true sponsor of this podcast, as is the case each and every week, are the wonderful patrons over at patreon.com forward slash team triple jump, where you can support us for as little as one dollar per month. And if you do so, you get access to the podcast post where we source questions for this show. And some people who have asked questions include Gabrielle Philippink. That's a good surname. It's a good name, full stop. It is, a good whole name. Hello, Ben and Peter. I know you're not fans of the term gamer, but do you believe there are different levels of commitment to gaming, such as casual gamer versus a hardcore gamer? Whether you believe in these levels or not, do you think this concept of levels hurts or helps the industry, and why or why not? Thank you so much for everything that you do, and much love from the USA to you both. Oh, thank you very much. It's a good question. Um, yeah, hate the term gamer. Talked mm. about it before. I don't think it sh- should go away because it accurately describes people who play games. I just think it's a bit of a rubbish word. It's um, got connotations, hasn't it? I think it's, you know, I, I quite often use gamer in the podcast and in lists and stuff just to refer to anyone who plays games in any way. But mm-hmm. the, the connotation is a bit more stinky cod boys and girls, I think. Yeah. Definitely. And absolutely, there are distinctions to be made. Um, hardcore gamers is probably, that's probably the worst two yeah. words together. <laughs> I would, um, and you will see this in a lot of news articles and also companies as well talking about their core gaming audience, the core audience, the people who are like us, the people who mm. really care, who pay attention, who play all the games, keep up to date on all the news and the happenings and the business events and stuff like that. But we are, as we again have spoken about on this podcast, we are in the tiny tiny minority you know yeah. you look at the amount of people who play games most people don't have a clue what's going on they'll go into game or cex or tesco or go on amazon and they'll see that oh oh they're remaking resident evil 3 that's nice they'll have no idea that mm. there were social media posts for weeks hyping up a reveal event or anything they don't know that but um and in that sense absolutely yes there are distinctions that would be a casual gamer it doesn't necessarily mean they sit there playing Bejeweled all day. It just means that they like games. They just don't pay as close attention to stuff as you or I do. No, I remember being in a, an independent game shop I used to occasionally go to. Uh, this was years ago. This must have been sort of early to mid noughties. And uh, I was uh, I was just sort of looking at the shelf or whatever. And this bloke walked in and came up to the counter and he went, Oh, it must have been it must have been late noughties actually, because he went, Excuse me, do you have a Wiimote for the PlayStation 2? <laughs> and I thought, yeah, that's a that's a casual gamer there. Good. Yeah. Good. He wants that's to know fantastic. if they do the Wiimote for the PlayStation 2. And Did uh, they? Did they? He do said, it? No, no, we don't they oh, we don't have damn. those. I guess they must have been out of stock. Must have been out of Very stock. Popular. I was gonna say if you're gonna find one if you're gonna find a Wiimote for the PlayStation 2, it would be in an independent shop. Yeah. I remember even thinking just the fact that he said PlayStation 2 rather than PS2, you know, mm-hmm. he was he was that kind of guy, the PlayStation 2. Looks at notes written on his on on his palm. <laughs> yeah. Uh, a Wiimote. Uh wow. so I mean yeah, I think there are definitely some distinctions. I mean, I for example, uh, I've never ever rented a game in my life because as not? a general rule, when I sit down to play a game, I, at least from the outset, have the intention of completing it. Maybe not 100%ing it, but sort of getting to the end of a narrative or unlocking every level or, you know, uh, that sort of thing. Um, 
And so I've I've never felt the need to to rent a game. I guess I could, you know, there's there's still no harm in renting something to try it out and then think, yeah, I will get this so so that I can complete it. But I've certainly never uh, wanted to rent a game just to play it for a bit and and knowing full well that no, I'm not I'm not having a taster to see if I'll buy it. I just want to play it for a few days. Like that's mm-hmm. that's something that I don't do. Um, and you know, likewise, you get people like trophy hunters you know you're uh you like your your plats whereas other people aren't so bothered so there's all kinds of different levels to it um yeah there are going back to the the renting thing briefly i mm, think there's yeah. there's there's probably uh again there's there's there is a distinction to make there where you're right you know uh core gamers probably would be less likely to rent because they just want the game and they know they want it and stuff but yeah uh, when I used to rent games from Blockbuster Video, wow. it was because I was, uh, you know, I was earning minimum wage at a garden center as a, as a teenager. Yeah. So I would just borrow it for the weekend and, and and see how it was. But I was still extremely passionate. So hashtag, you know, not not all renters. Right? No, absolutely. And... But but there is, you know, there's definitely something to be said for that. I don't think you can really rent games from anywhere anymore, can you? Well, no, probably not. Offer? I mean, I was I was talking more about back in the day kind of thing. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm just wondering, but, yeah. like nowadays, I don't know. I don't think anywhere's open that even does that anymore. No, probably not. Uh, Love um, Film used to do it, I think, before mm-hmm. they were bought by Amazon. Yeah. Um, I think yeah. I borrowed some games from Love Film. Maybe I know GameFly was certainly a thing in America. I don't know if that's still going. Mm, yeah. Uh, but yeah. And I guess there is, as you say, there's sort of a financial aspect to it as well. Like if you can't afford to blow a load of money on a new game all the time. I mean, for me, it wasn't even necessarily that, oh, well, I was I was fortunate that I always had enough pocket money or wages to uh, to buy games all the time. It was <laughs> I would just go very long periods of time where I wouldn't have a new game because <laughs> I couldn't afford to buy a new game. But equally, I didn't want to rent one. But yeah, yeah I guess some people uh, would just prefer to, you know, be able to play new stuff on the regular uh by you know just renting stuff now and then but uh i bet you were so thrilled that you saved up all your money for the legend of spyro right oh yeah loved it great no i mean (laughs) yeah i think i'm surprised actually that i never ended up with a copy of one of the spyro sequels maybe i knew uh maybe i'd maybe i'd seen magazines and stuff but uh it it seems like the thing you know if i'd seen that on a shelf i would have snapped it up and thought yeah more spyro I was uninformed at that point, you know, very much a yeah, casual gamer where I, where I, you know, I think that's the, that might actually be the difference is just how informed you are that, that defines, because some people will, you know, they'll play FIFA and they'll just play FIFA and Call of Duty or maybe a Battle Royale, but they'll play it a lot, you know, they'll, that'll be their way that they unwind from work. So it's mm. not so much about perhaps the preconceived notions of what makes a hardcore gamer or a casual gamer perhaps aren't even accurate anymore. Because for me, I always thought, or just put it together like, oh, if you don't really, if you're just playing like mobile games and you're not playing very often, you're a casual gamer. But people play games now more than ever. Mm. I think it's just a case of how informed you are. And I certainly wasn't that informed back in the Spyro days on PS2. And so I borrowed it from a friend. But even playing it myself, I knew this this isn't as good as the one that I played on PlayStation 1. Yeah. No, you're right. Like That's why I'm surprised I never actually ended up buying a copy because I wasn't informed back then and as I say I'm sure I would have grabbed it off the shelf straight away I guess maybe what happened was I had played uh, Crash Bandicoot The Wrath of Cortex at a friend's house and I again as you say I I understood that that wasn't very good you know it's not yeah. the same 
Um, I don't think it was necessarily as bad as it as people remember it, but it it wasn't good. And mm-hmm. uh, so I probably that kind of probably tainted all uh, PS2 sequels of PS1 games. So maybe that was enough to keep me away from the Spyro ones. But yeah, yeah. Uh, there yeah. we go. A little discussion there about uh, what makes a, a hardcore gamer mm. or yeah. an uber gamer. Love that phrase. So right. good. Uh, it's time for a new section, though. I think. What? No. Is it? Yeah. Yeah. We're not. We're not doing. Uh, we're not doing question two after question one. We've decided to wedge a new segment in between those two questions. That's strange. We've never done that before. Oh well. Uh, allow me to introduce you to what we playing. <gasps> It's what we play in time. Peter, before I ask you what you're playing, which is what I normally do, yeah. we're actually going to throw it over to pre-recorded James Jenkins, our our, effort, effort, our big effort boy. I'm trying to think of a... What's a good job title for James? Uh, big effort boy. Big effort boy, yeah. I think you got it first time. Video editor, script writer, uh, wearer of shoes. Yeah. yeah. He, he, I've seen him walk... Sometimes yeah, that's a trait. Comes um, to the shop at lunchtime with me occasionally. Not right now. Not right course. now. No. Not right now. But back in the day, you yeah. know, uh, big effort boy James Jenkins. We assigned him Minecraft Dungeons, which uh, Xbox were, were gracious enough to send a code over for, mm. and he's recorded his thoughts. So we're going to hear from James now for a few minutes, and then we'll be back shortly. Oh, okay. Take it away, James. Hello. Hello. Yeah, is this thing on? Okay, um, apologies in advance for the uh, shoddy audio quality here, but uh, yeah, a bit of news from the front line. I've been playing Minecraft Dungeons. Hooray! It's that weird Minecraft does Diablo thing. Uh, looked a bit weird at last year's E3, but surprisingly, and keeping with Microsoft's apparent trend of, you know, let's fit this franchise into a completely new genre, they somehow get away with it again. They've done it again. And it's a fun little experience, to be honest. It's a very respectable dungeon crawler with all your typical hacky slashy loot loot action stuff. Firstly, I mean, it looks very charming. That blocky Minecraft style works very nicely in this format. You can't place your own blocks, but the ones are already there. Mm, Very nice indeed, very good placement. It's very accessible, as you'd expect, but it's still got a decent amount of depth to it. Combat simple to pick up with melee, bow attacks, and free slots for what they call artifacts. So those are basically your activatable powers. So there's a good variety of loot, which is obviously the most important thing. Familiar bits like pickaxes, regular axes, fishing rods, a bone that summons the bestest little wolf boy. And you've also got weirder items like knockback horns, firework arrows, and a laser beam beacon, which is beautiful. Obviously, you go around beating up your standard mix of Minecraft enemies, you know, your Zombos, your Skellingtons, your Wizards, your Pigs with loot chests, you know, that sort of thing, all with enough variety to keep you on your toes. It's definitely geared more towards a co-op experience, and to be honest, it is a lot more fun with other people. A local couch co-op is an option, which is always nice, and it's dead simple to pick up too. I played with someone who rarely plays games regularly, and we were both fine, like it was an equal playing field. When I played solo, it was noticeably tougher and more grindy, but that may have been down to me being underleveled, 
uh, it's also very much encouraged to replay levels which are mostly randomized each time. I believe that's fairly standard for games like Diablo and, and Path of Exile, that sort of thing. Unfortunately, and uh, here's the negative bits now, it doesn't feel like there's quite enough there yet to warrant playing super long term. There's not many levels, at least not yet, uh, the campaign's pretty short, loot becomes samey, you can earn points to enchant your gear, so you can specialise with different builds in that way, but there's nowhere near the level of detail you'd see in, for example, Path of Exile again. And the story, I mean, it's 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 Minecraft. Like that, there's some fluff about an evil arch illager, and that's a lot, really. But hey, the gameplay itself is still pretty damn fun, especially when you're playing with a friend. So yeah, I'd say it's well worth having a go if you want a simple dungeon crawler where you can just like massacre countless evil villagers. Boom, Minecraft dungeons. It's available for all major platforms, and guess what? Yeah, it's also available on Game Pass too. Like a lot of other games, seriously, Game Pass is great. Obviously, big thank you to Xbox Game Studios for giving us a code, and thanks to you guys who said it my way as well, and for listening to me ramble on for Christ knows how long now. Anyway, what are you guys playing? Yeah, yeah, seamless, it's like I'm right there. Oh, thanks so much, James. Oh, great. What a, what a good great boy, effort That's boy. A, look at that big effort boy over there. Yeah. Crazy. Peter, what have you been playing? Uh well, I've been playing uh a, a whole bunch of uh games that I've I've mentioned in the past of what we're playing, but none of them for a little while. Mm. Uh, had a little break on on uh, my streams from Scribble Noughts, but I went back to it for one more at least one more session yeah. uh on Monday at the time of recording. That was nice. It's a very easy game. People seem to just find it very uh uh as as I've said before, it's it's nice that people can can engage with it, and uh, you know can come across a problem and be like, "Hey guys, how should we?" I remember I was really surprised by this actually. Um, we there was a, a a big quest about um this boy who wanted to join the scouts, and there were four little uh different tasks to do, and I can't even remember what they all were now, but like one of them was, oh, uh, he needs to cut down a tree. Uh, and someone suggested that we spawn in a beaver. So we did that, and the beaver cut the tree down, which was great. Then we moved to the next one, and it was something like, oh, he needs uh, it, he needs something to protect him or something out in the wild. So we spawned in a protective beaver, because you can add adjectives to things, and that was enough to do it. So then we went through and did all four, I think, using a beaver in some way, shape, or form. Uh, and the beaver became the running joke then for the for the stream. And we got to this bit later on in a castle where someone was about to be hanged, which is nice. Uh, and a person in the crowd was like, save my husband from being hanged, but don't hurt the executioner. So I was like, oh, I don't actually know how we can do this necessarily. Because I was trying to, you know, scare people away and they weren't going and stuff. And then we realized, hang on, if we spawn the beaver in, our old friend the beaver... The beaver will just eat the gallows, and he did. The beaver just wandered oh over, God. ate the whole thing because it's made of wood, and that solved the quest. Fantastic. So, what a clever game! It is a clever game. It is really clever, um, and it's it's super fun for people to suggest stuff and for it to to work out. You know, I remember uh, we there was a one about um, there were all these puddles in the subway. This was several episodes ago, 
and it was, oh, clean up these puddles. And instead of getting a mop or a towel or whatever, we spawned in a thirsty elephant, which drunk up all the puddles. Nice. So versatile. Um, Other than that, though, uh, I've played a little bit more Minecraft solo um, to uh, just to, it's just nice to chill out, isn't it? You know, Mm -hmm. just, just have a nice time. Been making farms, uh, crop, crop farms and things. Uh, And uh, for reasons I won't, go into yet uh i have been playing uh i played a little bit of spyro the dragon ps1 in fact i can go into it because this goes out after friday which is presumably when the video goes out right yeah yeah Yeah. probably yeah Yeah, probably i think so well we'll see but probably out yesterday was uh, a new format involving Spyro the Dragon. It's not always going to involve Spyro the Dragon. It's going to be a different game every time. But yesterday was Spyro. Uh, I'm sure we'll talk about it at the end of the stream, at, mm-hmm. at the end of the podcast. But there we go. Played a bit of Spyro, a bit of Minecraft, a bit of Scribblenauts. Fantastic. What about stuff. you, Ben? Well, I've been finishing off Mafia 2 Definitive Edition, you know, the perfect game. Mm-hmm. Um, a game that I really like, and I like the setting, and I like the story, and I think it's I think it's a really good game, but it's just not a good port at all, slash remaster, apparently. Right. Which is a load of nonsense, because it's it as 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 I discussed last week, it's uh it's it's not good, right? It barely runs, it's choppy, it's frame ratey, the audio levels are all over the place. I had a glitch where a song played in a cutscene, but there was only enough song for maybe 20 seconds because that's how long the cutscene was but when the cutscene ended the song continued and then would hit the 20 second limit stop there'd be a brief break and then it would start again and so i just had this this cutscene song which was licensed clearly because when i pressed the share button to save the clip it didn't put the music in which is really annoying because i wanted to show people you know how weird that bug was yeah um but I got all the way up until the end. Chapter 14, the penultimate chapter, is a real pain in the ass in that game because there's a lot of combat in it and the combat can be a bit dodgy in this game where occasionally you'll just get shot once and die. And mm. uh, the checkpoints are brutal. Oof. So it was really tough. That whole mission took ages. It took a lot out of me. Oh. And then I got right to the end, went into a cutscene, came out of the cutscene, and it stayed on an infinite loading screen. Oh my god. I wouldn't go any further. So I was like, okay, weird. Restarted the game, pressed continue. It started me back at the previous checkpoint, which was understandably bloody ages before. So yeah. I had to drive all the way across the city again, go into that cutscene, and it's it was still in that infinite loading screen. Oh. So I Googled it. And the solutions came from nine year old game facts uh forum threads. Because this is a bug that existed in the original game. Oh, my God. And they have ported it over into the new game as well. And the fix is apparently to restart the chapter. And I was like, oh, my God. That is unforgivable. You cannot port over. I don't care whether you're remaking or remastering. You do not port over known bugs like that. Yeah. It's 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 astonishing. Honestly, like I, I couldn't believe it. And I posted angrily about it on Twitter. The next night, after I'd calmed down a bit, I did replay the chapter and it looked like that loading screen hung there for a while, Ooh. but it did let me through and I did finish the game. 
and uh, it's it is a really good game and i like it and it's just such a shame that this they've done such a horrible job on the port mm. but that's not the only bug that i discovered oh. and i'm sure other people have noticed it as well because i was looking at the trophies and i think this is the first game i have ever looked at a trophy list for where the platinum is 0.0% in terms of other people who've earned it oh and I was like, that's weird. And you only get the platinum if you get all the other trophies. So surely there's a trophy in there that's also on 0.0%. I wonder what it is, because I got the platinum for this game on PS3 mm-hmm. uh, when it came out. And I don't remember it being that difficult, just a bit time consuming. And I looked through, and there is definitely a bugged trophy. Definitely. Oh. Because it's a bronze trophy, it's got 0.0%. And it's for killing 50 enemies. Oh, no. And nobody in the world has got it. Nobody in the entire world. So it's just buggered. It's just completely ruined. I don't know how they've done this. They've made it worse than the last version. That's terrible. It's utterly astonishing. I finished it. I wouldn't recommend anyone buy it, which is such a shame because I think it's a really good game underneath all this nonsense. Mm. Um Maybe play the PC version. I don't know if it's on PC, but uh, that was good at least. Apart from that, played a little bit of Dark Souls 2. God, I don't like that game compared to the other Dark Souls games. The healing mechanic is so weird. You have to come to a complete stop, and then you slowly drink it, and then your health slowly starts to refill. I wouldn't have an issue with that mechanic if it were in any other game. It's just that it's in a Dark Souls game, and all the other Dark Souls games are not like that. Uh... It just it just means that more often than not, you die not because you're bad at the game, not because you are bested in combat at all. It's because you've run away to heal yourself. You've pressed heal, and in the time your glacial character moves their arm up to their face to drink the Estus flask, uh, someone runs up and pokes you, and you die. Mm. And it's like, ah! Sometimes your health will be slowly refilling after successfully drinking the Estus, and they'll hit you then. You'll still die. Because it's what's the point? It's it's so it's such a weird mechanic. It does not feel like it was made as part of the Dark Souls series. It feels like a weird alpha build of a Dark Souls game oh, that just wasn't finished, and it's really weird. Um, I still like it, but I don't. I don't at the same time. Yeah. Mm. Finally, I finished off Final Fantasy VII Disc One last oh, night, yeah. so still still pushing on with that, and uh, that's what that's what I've been playing. Well, today I learned that the share button is clever enough to not include music uh, that's licensed. I didn't know it could separate things out like that. I just assumed it was essentially just capturing everything, all yeah. you know, just flat, burned in. But it's up to the developers, and uh, mm. it's usually a sign of competency in terms of how if they know how to develop for the PS4, which is yeah. interesting because the whoever ported this game, Mafia Two clearly doesn't know how to develop yeah. for ps4 yet they still somehow hit that base requirement mm. uh, but yeah it filters out licensed stuff at the request i think of developers so. yeah. Yeah, interesting. Uh, right. uh maybe it's time now to do the question uh yeah. this is from jamie goddard and i would like you to read it to us ben 
I would like to read it too. Here we go. Hello, boys. The Last of Us Part 2 and Ghost of Tsushima state of plays have got me pretty pumped for the next two months of gaming. I found myself wanting to consume as much information as I can for these games without inadvertently spoiling the game for myself. My question is a relatively straightforward one. When you are hyped for a game, do you prefer going in relatively cold, or do you, like myself, want to consume as much information that the devs put out, i.e. not leaked info? As a follow-up, uh, does that change with the type of game it is? I'm careful with story-driven cinematic games such as uh, The Last of Us, Uncharted and God of War, but with open-world games like Red Dead 2 and Cyberpunk I feel more like I need to see every single detail available because it's unlikely to ruin the experience. Many thanks and keep well, keep well in these strange times. Thank you, Jamie. Thank you, Jamie. Good question. Um, I often, for a game that I am hyped about, I struggle to not go looking for all the info that I can um you know unless maybe it's a fairly quick development cycle uh certainly like the information going out and looking for little extra you know drip fed bits they that sort of tides me over when the wait seems too long um so you know with the last of us for example I have looked at all all the official stuff that's come out uh, I have not uh wanted to go looking at the leaked stuff of course um unfortunately i have seen some stuff um but uh i don't know maybe the last of us is a bit of an exception there because i i'm also inclined to agree with jamie's distinction that like narrative driven games i'm i, I do sort of maybe dodge around a little bit um so yeah i guess the last of us 2 is is an exception there because as a general rule i wouldn't want to go and spoil too much um but uh, yeah, yeah, definitely. I think particularly, as I say, with a, with a long development time and, you know, if it's been years, I, I always want to just see that next little nugget that is released just to, you know, that's probably as much as anything else why the devs uh, or publishers release things like that is to actually tide over the hungry public. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I usually, or I used to certainly without fail, I used to voraciously consume anything related mm. to games that I was interested in. You know, I'd keep up on all the news, I'd watch all the trailers, uh, and, you know, if they were showing it off at E3 or some sort of event, I would usually watch that as well, just because I wanted to know. I wanted to be in the know. And I've sort of dropped off that in the last few years, maybe just yeah. because, you know, covering games professionally. Uh, changes things slightly. I still watch things when I can or when I feel like I should mm -hmm. so that, you know, I can talk about it from some some experience level, you know, rather than talking out my ass having not seen anything. Yeah. Um, but for the first time ever, I have sort of been on a media blackout for The Last of Us Part 2. Right. Um, I watched yeah. obviously the 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 first few trailers years ago, um, but I haven't watched the state of play intentionally. I've avoided all the leaks. I haven't watched the new trailers, and I probably won't watch anything now until it comes out. And this is going to be an experiment for me because I've literally never been in this position before, mm. where I've managed to avoid it or wanted to avoid things. Like I will be dumped into this game completely with with absolutely no expectations whatsoever. Yeah. And. And, I, and I've never been in that position before, and I'm really interested to see if that elevates the experience for me instead of going in with preconceived ideas about how it should play or how it should look or how the story should go. You know, I don't know anything. Mm. Uh, the last thing I watched, I think, was probably Sony's E3 conference 
a few you know a few years ago the weird one <laughs> yeah <laughs> or a couple yes. of years ago now the um, banjo one yeah the banjo one that was the last that was the last time i watched anything to do with it obviously i've been keeping up with the news and seeing headlines and stuff on twitter but i've not been looking into stuff uh so we will see how i find it but uh, speaking generally yes i think with open world games it's really helpful to know what you're getting into mm. uh narrative games there tend not to be as many sort of videos to, i mean the state of play for the last of us part two is disproving this point but there tend not to be too many videos deep diving into a single player narrative yeah. game you'll get a tightly constructed trailer that'll hit plot beats and and sort of introduce characters or maybe it'll be a cut scene but that'll be it you mm. won't really get much more than that and i think that's that's the right move because that means that you don't as the consumer you don't feel like you have to avoid it because you don't have anything to worry about whereas with your gta's and your the witcher 3's they usually do a video close to launch called the world of the witcher yeah and it'll, it'll have a voiceover or the game director will be on it saying you know you can go around and do side quests and look there's a brothel and it's got it's got nudie bits in it and stuff mm-hmm. um you can play gwent for 25 hours if you want <laughs> not 24 25 yeah uh so yes i think there's definitely um there's definitely a difference between uh wanting to know stuff about a big open world game that you're going to inhabit for maybe a hundred hours mm. and a narrative game that's only going to run the course of 10 15 hours um, yeah I mean, it's like you're right in in that narrative games often will only maybe you know they'll certainly have a have a trailer out and maybe a a, a bit of a cutscene. Uh, but when they do show gameplay at something like E3, it's very often something not really related to the story at all. It's just a little segment. I remember that bit uh, of Uncharted Three. I want to say maybe it was uh, Four. Where he's like climbing that tower on that sort of coastline, just an old stone tower, um, and it wasn't related to the story at all. It was just showing, oh hey, here's a bit of traversal. This is yeah. this is Nathan Drake as as you remember him, um, and you know obviously they do that because if a game is so reliant on this this relatively short uh, storyline for a few hours you don't want to blow any of that before the game comes out so it's hey here's a bit of gameplay of nathan climbing a climbing a tower great um yeah but yeah i guess that uh it's something that i've never really been exposed to particularly with a game that i'm really excited for is what they're doing with or what they were doing with beyond good and evil 2 uh mm-hmm. which is that completely like seemingly open doors thing where they were doing like updates every couple of months saying hey here's like a couple of assets that we've made you know like it really felt like you were looking at every single building block and in some ways i, I really like that because i mean there was a lot of you know there was a an almost constant feed of information which is now actually seemingly dried up i don't know why they're not doing it anymore they didn't say that they were going to stop but uh you know it was nice to have that that constant thing to deep dive in and go oh yeah look you know, this game's coming it's and we're always getting updates for it it's great but mm-hmm. at the same time it's it's a bit much you know I, I i don't want to go into that game feeling like i've already played five hours of it because i've sat and watched you know i've, I've looked at like the actual textures that they're putting on the walls and stuff like that you know so yeah. i think even if and when they resume the uh the space monkey updates from ubisoft i i don't know at what point i i might duck out of those um yeah. definitely yeah. 
Definitely. And it also doesn't help when games are announced years before they come mm. out. You know, Absolutely. it's The Last of Us Part Two was announced so long ago. Hang on, I saw a Push Square did a did an article about it. Let me have a look. It's it's some crazy anniversary of it coming out. And I think, you know, sometimes things do do pop up obviously that, that cause issues in development and mm. uh, and it means that things need to be pushed. But ideally, I don't want to know about a game five years before it comes out, three years, uh, two years even. If you can announce a game and release it the same year, then that is, you know, that's the dream, isn't it? Yeah, I feel because that way about... it means you don't show too much of it off as well. Yeah, definitely. I feel the same way about BGE. Like, they, you know, they, they were talking about doing sequels in the sort of ps2 ps3 era and then they just they run into all kinds of i think financial issues it wasn't just fireball technological issues so it was essentially cancelled um but then when they announced it like however long ago it was now like three or four years ago like no one was expecting it so they could have just sat on that until now you know they could have Mm -hmm. announced it in 2020 almost hopefully almost done um and, yeah. you know, it would have felt like less of a wait, even though obviously it still would have been the same number of years since the first one came out. It's not that you don't have that anticipation, but because they announced it like four or five years ago, and it, it still it wasn't that long ago. It was like three or four. But, it you know, you, you feel like you're waiting for it again in a more active way than you were when you didn't know that it existed. So, yeah, yeah. that's that's in a way it's not a good thing to have done. It was December 2016 that the last first part two was announced. It's okay. a long time that to is. slowly show things and then show more and more things. So, yeah, you know, there's there's no criticism on their part. Things have obviously arisen throughout mm. development that have caused issues, but it's just uh, that certainly is a factor that doesn't help. Is, is games that are announced too early or delayed multiple times? Yeah, um, you just got to be careful, I suppose, haven't you? You just got to do whatever's right for you if you want to as I said, voraciously consume everything about a game you're excited for, then you go for it. Absolutely Mm. do it. That's what I usually do. But in this instance, I'm trying something different and I'm excited to see if that elevates my experience of it. Yeah, it might do. Yeah, Yeah. Having seen this state of play, I've got expectations. And I do believe that what I saw was legit. You know, it wasn't like, hey, here's a vertical slice where we've massively sort of scripted things and, and made certain events run parallel uh, mm-hmm. And all that kind of thing. It looked it looked very legit, but uh, I do have expectations yeah. now that I'm hoping won't be broken. There we go. Mm. It's time, Peter. It is. Oh, uh, my paper. Oh, paper. Okay. I've got my paper. Me too. It's time for weird news. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is 
is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive in June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive in June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. It's weird news time. It's time for some strange video game news from across the, the internet place where we are. Mm-hmm. Peter, do you yes. have some weird news for me? I got some weird news here from Polygon.com. Ooh. This is written by Patricia Hernandez. Uh, it's not super weird, but I, I think it's very interesting at, at the very least. So uh, mm-hmm. it's a Pocket Monsters one for you. Oh. Hackers say classic Pokemon games spawn fewer monsters on tragic anniversaries. Oh. So... 2020 has been the year of big Pokemon source code leaks, and the latest classic pair added to the list are none other than the fourth generation of games, Pokemon Diamond and Pearl. Did I say Pokemon? I think I I think you said Pokemon, yes. Pokemon Diamond and Pearl. Nice. Uh, And according to fans who have perused the code, in 2006, uh, the, the 2006 Pocket Monster games pay special attention to what day it is. Twitter user... At shinyhunter underscore map, a Pokemon speedrunner and shiny hunter, recently made a discovery that Pokemon Diamond and Pearl behave slightly differently on certain in-game days. Uh, on Pokemon developer Ju- oh, Junichi Masuda's birthday, I hope I well said done. that right, thank well you, done. which lands on January 12th, for instance, any eggs you try to hatch will grow 10% quicker than they usually would. Hmm. Uh, the egg detail has been corroborated by Mr. Cheese, another well-known Pokemon tinkerer. It's oh, yes. also worth noting that Masuda himself has coyly encouraged players to turn on the game on that date, promising that something different will happen. Uh, that's not all, though. On certain holidays, like Independence Day, which is July 4th, or St. Patrick's Day, March 17th, the game will also increase monster encounter rates by 5%. You can uh, view the full list of holidays below. And there's an embedded tweet with all kinds of days. May the 8th, end of World War II in France. Uh, February 12th, Lincoln's birthday. Um, What else? August 28th, bank holiday. All all kinds of days uh, increase monster encounters. Uh, But Game Freak apparently didn't stop there. Surprisingly... The Japanese studio allegedly also alters monster spawn rates on tragic anniversaries, such as 9-11 or the day of the Hiroshima bombings. Um, so all the decreased uh, uh, encounter rate days uh, are January 1st, for some reason, 
the spring and autumn equinoxes, which is March 21st and September 23rd, and mm-hmm. then 9-11, Nagasaki and Hiroshima. So uh, reportedly mm-hmm. spawn rates are also lower on Christmas and New Year's Day, but only by 5%, which I think is a, is a bit of a weird choice. Why on Christmas Day when surely people get given games as presents? Would you make it slightly less good or rewarding maybe they don't want people to play on christmas day they want people to spend time with their family maybe but if it's a secret no one's gonna know that anyway so i don't really know why that would no that would be it maybe they hate father christmas maybe so yeah uh, it says Polygon cannot independently confirm the existence of this code. However, the code was also verified to Polygon by another known speedrunner, data miner, and hacker, Orchestra. Oh. Um, but the bigger question remains: Why would Game Freak do something like this? It's hard to say, but hackers have theories. Orchestra notes that Diamond and Pearl include something called a poketch. Is that right? I don't know. A poketch, a watch with a true-to-calendar clock. Diamond and Pearl use this feature in more obvious ways, like having days where snow transforms into in-game diamonds. Um, And uh, so, I mean, the article then sort of veers off talking about other things that happen based on based on what day it is. But that's pretty weird. I think that is the actual day of the year affects spawn rates and uh, egg growth rates and things like that, and encounter rates. Strange. I did not know that. Hmm. Didn't know that. Yeah. Weird. Well, there you go. Have you got a weird news? Oh boy, have I! Mm-hmm. Are you ready? Uh, it sounds like I'm probably not ready. I don't think you're ready. This is from Kotaku and editor of editor in chief of Weird News, Luke Plunkett. Luke, there. thank you. <clears throat> Sonic fan site closes after 21 years over very bad Black Lives Matter tweet. Oh. Dear, okay. Right, you ready? No, I'm less ready than I was, for sure. TSSZ, a Sonic fan site that's been running since 1999, closed over the weekend not long after the site's owner posted a very bad tweet comparing the plight of black Americans and the Black Lives Matter movement to some stuff that fictional game character Sonic the Hedgehog has been through. Right. Though the tweeting question has been deleted, here is a screenshot of it. Are you ready for this? Yeah. For those who think we have no business as a Sonic site covering what is happening in the US, Sonic is wrongly detained by law. I, I mean, I can't get through this oh. without just just laughing at it, how, how absurd it is. What a bad take this is. Sonic, Sonic is, is wrongly <laughs> detained by... <laughs> By law enforcement in the first minute of Sonic Adventures 2 and Escaped, and the plot and gameplay of Sonic Forces centers around resistance rising uh, versus Eggman's oppression. Versus Eggman's oppression. Eggman's, Egg, Eggman's oppression. Sonic was wrongfully detained by police and escapes after the first minute, was that? Yeah. Yeah. Poor Sonic. Sonic was wrongly detained for one minute. I know. The fictional hedgehog boy. Yeah. That is a very bad tweet, mm. but there's a lot of that going around right now, so you'd expect that uh, that once it was challenged, which it swiftly was, for the owner to do hang on, for the owner to do the usual and either delete it, apologize or both. 
Nope. Instead, every tweet ever made on the account has been deleted, and even more extremely, the entire site has been taken down. Over two decades worth of Sonic news and opinions from a score of writers. Just gone. Anyone God. trying to access it now is greeted with a landing page and the following. It's quite a lengthy uh, thank you letter. Uh, I'll read you the first paragraph and the last one. Everything is an extraordinary circumstance right now. Too much is happening that makes Sonic, Sega or video game news, frankly, unimportant. Our community and our world demands better and now does so and now does so to unsustainable extremes. And in that, TSSZ can no longer be the platform it should be. The decision has been made to permanently close TSSZ, effective immediately. And then it just thanks everyone who was involved. Um, yeah, and then the article signs off. Thank you for joining us for this installment of, huh, okay, these are the times we live in. God. So there we are. A shockingly just thoughtless tweet... Yeah, I don't. I don't understand the thought process that went into that. And then they just got rid of their entire site after they yeah. were correctly called out for it. Absolutely, yeah. You know, dreadful, dreadful tweet. Right to be called out. But what they could have done is delete the tweet, apologize profusely, maybe make a bit of a gesture as well towards the cause, just to show. I mean, you know, not that that necessarily means you really are sorry, but it it would have been better than nothing. Yeah, just a bit of PR or damage control, you know. But arguably, I would say it's an overreaction to close down your 20-year-old site. Um, Mm. I'm not saying a 20-year-old site about Sonic is worth more than some the actual goddamn integrity of not saying horrible things like that. But you know, they they didn't have to do that. They could have they could have handled that in a in a much better way and i thought that letter was going to be uh yeah you know sonic news isn't important right now um but they, they were going to leave it ambiguous and maybe just bring it back when you know in in when it's more appropriate to do so but mm. uh seemingly not they've closed it forever which... no and in that first paragraph correct me if i'm if i'm reading into this wrong but it sounds like they almost fling it back in the face of of the people who have not forced them to close the site by saying our community and our world demands better good but now does so to unsustainable extremes like what yeah unsustainable They're basically extremes. saying you're asking too much of us so we're going to close down the sonic website God, what, I missed what that. planet are you living on yeah admittedly it does go on um there's, I mean, I could read the whole thing, but it just, you, you can see it. We'll link to it below. It's in Kotaku, on Kotaku's website. Uh, but certainly that tone doesn't doesn't inspire confidence that this person is potentially aware of what they said was a really bad take. Mm. It just means that it sounds like they got, they got told off on the internet, which they should have been, and... They did not take it very well and so decided to take down their whole website as sort of like, well, fine, if I can't make, you know, bad comments about Sonic on the internet, then I'm going to take down my whole site and it's going to be your fault. And the the world shrugs. God, you can't say anything nowadays. You can't say anything. That is how that reads. That is how that reads to me. Um, Utterly shocking. I just couldn't believe it when I was reading through that. I don't know. Like, it's... It's so awful that it's making me laugh because I just can't, like, it's so ridiculous to compare the two things. They're they're just so not alike. Imagine having that mindset. It's astonishing. And it's not even about 
just being detained. I mean, that, of course, is is a part of it, but it's so much more than black people sometimes get detained, mm-hmm. uh, you know? Like, yeah, yeah, they do, like like Sonic did, but not at all like Sonic did, because he's a fictional hedgehog. He escaped yeah. in one minute, apparently, and then apparently there's a loose parallel that he fought against what tyranny, was it? Uh, tyranny the, of Eggman's tyranny. Eggman's oppression. Yeah, it's, that is of course, like so for cool. like exactly what the problem is. Uh, the fictitious of... blue fast hedgehog. Yeah. Ridiculous. God. Utterly ridiculous. You can read the full statement as I said, the link's below. Uh, astonishing. It's just astonishing. Um, mm. and the whole website's gone now, so make of that what you will. I don't. I just don't know what to say, really, beyond what I've already said. Yeah. Good God. Okay, let's move on to question three. Let's definitely move on. This is from Rexy Adar, who says, Hello, lads. In one of the first episodes of the podcast, I can't remember which one, I asked about pre-orders, and you expressed that pre-ordering uh, is perhaps not the best idea, which I agree with. However, I have, uh, I have sinned and pre-ordered The Last of Us Part 2. Is there any game announced, rumoured, or that you're just hoping for that you'd go against the opinion that pre-ordering is bad? Uh, stay safe out there and keep being awesome. Thank you, Rexy. Thank you, Rexy. Um, we've we've discussed a similar thing before, as as Rexy says, with with pre-ordering. I think the side of the fence we we came down on was that pre-ordering isn't inherently a good thing because mm. it's. Uh, you know, you could be supporting something that's just not very good and they've already got your money at that point and you could just wait until release day and if reviews are good, go and buy it yourself, you know, right yeah. there. You don't have to put down your money straight away. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think we, we did say at the time, and I will repeat it now, that there is, uh, there's there's like, you know, there's middle ground there. It's not always just a never pre-order kind of deal. Yeah. Um, I don't often pre-order. But if there's a game that I'm really excited for that I know I'm going to buy anyway, uh, I will, I will pre-order. And I have I've pre-ordered Final Fantasy VII Remake and mm-hmm. Resident Evil Three Remake this year. Um, you do, you you can't just sort of blanket non-pre-order. There's always going to be something you might desperately want, and it's okay to be excited for it. You just have to understand the risks involved in that you perhaps are paying over the odds, and the game you get might not be what you want especially if as reviews you know they, they the review embargoes are increasingly on the day of release you know yeah. rather than beforehand to allow consumers to make informed decisions purchasing decisions mm-hmm. yeah no definitely like i you know we we read these questions before the uh we start recording and i've written a note here that i've said i don't know if all pre-ordering is bad per se uh, we may well have said that it was, but I certainly don't necessarily agree with that now. Um, so <laughs> I don't know how I how we worded our answers before, but yeah, I'm I'm with you in in that like not all pre-ordering is bad. Hashtag not all pre-ordering, right? Um, mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. Uh, definitely, uh, you're right. It, it's it's about supporting or or indeed not supporting, kind of voting with your wallet. Companies that maybe have bad a bad track record bad practices or if things seem a bit ambiguous over a game's release you know i very i think the worst pre-order sin i've ever committed was pre-ordering um an elite whatever it was called copy of star wars battlefront 2 and you know the reason i did that is because i'm a big star wars fan 
and I knew that I would enjoy the game. Um, unfortunately, EA, lots of bad practices, you know, microtransactions and all that kind of stuff. That game uh, had such a good lead up, didn't it? I don't know if you remember that far back to when Battlefront 2 wasn't a problematic game. But mm-hmm. like in, in the build up to that game coming out until about a month ahead, people were really positive about it, like from what they'd seen online saying, yes, they've done it. They've They've worked out that like, you know, it shouldn't be about all their in-game currency and things like that. Great, great, fantastic. And then I think it was about four weeks or something before release, and it turned out that, like, oh, yeah, there's, like, in-game heroes that you have to purchase with credits that you earn by fighting, and you can buy those credits and microtransactions and all that kind of stuff. So that was bad, and I shouldn't really have supported that. But at least... I, I guess what I I knew ultimately that I was going to want to get that game and play it. It had a single player as well, which is why I pre-ordered it because I thought it doesn't matter now. It doesn't matter whether I buy it now or buy it ahead, uh, buy it, you know, in, in a few weeks time. I'm going to do it anyway. Mm-hmm. Um and I think in that respect uh there's there's not so much harm in pre-ordering. I think you should definitely not pre-order something if you're not sure whether you want it. You know, I think maybe that's where it comes down to. You're right that there are always going to be games that you're really excited for, you know, sequels to franchises that you love or things that just just look objectively incredible. Um, so, you know, no harm in, in pre-ordering those if you think I'm definitely going to buy that. Um, yeah. But but yeah, if, if you're unsure about how a game is going to turn out, like I, I don't think I don't think I pre-ordered Crash Team Racing. Oh no, I didn't have to because we're in the industry and we <laughs> we got sent one. Uh, but yeah, I, I if I'd if I'd not been, I don't think I would have uh, uh, pre-ordered Crash Team Racing because that's the kind of thing where I would have wanted to know how it reviewed, you know. Um, mm-hmm. uh, so you know that that sort of thing really. But uh, yeah, yeah. pre-ordering is not all bad, but you have to just use it wisely. I think you raised a point there that actually was. Probably, I can't quite remember our exact argument either, but it was probably a cornerstone of of our argument in favor of not always pre-ordering, mm-hmm. uh, which is pre-order incentives and bonuses yep. mm-hmm. are objectively really terrible. We yeah. hate being nickeled and dimed for stupid little piece of, pieces of DLC, uh, you know, cosmetic stuff, because that stuff should be in the game. It should be mm-hmm. unlockable. I understand yeah. adding stuff after the fact. I mean, look at uh, Spider-Man, Marvel's Spider-Man. They added costumes to that game repeatedly after launch for free. They just patched them in. They can do that if they want. It's utter greed that they don't. And if they sort of, if the game comes and goes and then six months later, they're like, okay, we've got a load of new uh, cosmetic stuff. If you want it, you can buy it. That's different. But the kind of stuff that's usually gated behind different tiers of pre-orders is unacceptable. Mm-hmm. And by pre-ordering, and I know not every game does this, but by pre-ordering, you are supporting that. And you're telling them that that's okay, which may not be your intention, but that's what they see, is that it doesn't affect their bottom line if they pull this kind of nonsense and they might actually see an increase in pre-orders because people want that stuff. Yeah. But at the same time, as discussed earlier, casual gamers who don't follow the industry don't know that. And they are the purchasing majority. So at the end of the day, everything's futile and there's nothing we can do. But as long as you you can sleep at night and as long as you're happy with your decision, that's all that matters, really. You know, there are so few of us who are 
you know, and this isn't like a, this isn't like a we're we're special and we're cool and we know stuff sort of uh, comment. But there are so few players of games who are part of that core audience who do follow the industry that really our our attempts to force through any kind of changes is almost impossible because the vast majority of purchasers and pre-orderers either don't care or just don't know. Yeah. But that's one of the main reasons I think uh, we probably weren't too supportive of pre-orders before and and still aren't to an extent uh, just because the the pre-order incentives and the different tiers and stuff, I think it's all ridiculous, you know. A collector's edition, fine. Put a statue in it, cool. 20 different digital versions with extra bonus stuff in it, I hate that. Stop that. Rubbish. I've definitely... I think in some ways I'm more averse to pre-ordering now than I used to be. Um, you know, I, th- I think actually a good example, like in almost like for like is I did not uh, pre-order Jedi Fallen Order uh, mm. because that could have been it. That could have been a terrible game. It looked like they'd done it right. Um, but, uh, you know, Star Wars games, mostly not good recently. And mm. that had a whole load of rubbish pre-order incentives like an orange lightsaber uh and like a, a different you know costume or whatever and that was it there was like a, two or three little digital items that were pre-order incentives and uh then they they ended up like later on in the game uh you have a whole load of different lightsaber colors available to you anyway uh, rather than like, oh, one special orange color, which is almost the same as the gold color you get later in the game. You know that yeah. was that that was not enough to make me think. Oh yeah, definitely. You know uh, mm. there was there was uh, no guarantee that that game was going to be good, and therefore not worth pre-ordering. Um, so there that's that's my rule. Peter, it's time to move on mm. to something huge. Oh wait, paper. Yeah, I yeah, got it. Uh, it's time for the big discussion. Big discussion time, everyone. This uh, this one comes again, actually, from Reese Savage. This this was a very easy uh, week to pick questions, by the way, or yeah. certainly to put the running order together, because both Rexy and Reese are in exactly the same position they were in last week when they asked questions, yeah. uh, which just makes things easier. Great job, guys, and thank you to everyone who submitted questions over at patreon.com forward slash team triple jump. Don't forget, even though we don't use your questions... Um, doesn't mean that they're gone forever. We add them to a document and we do occasionally go back and pull some out of the bag. So mm. uh, please do continue to ask questions. Reese says, Hi guys. In the last few years, we've seen a lot more representation for women in video games, especially in regards to being the main protagonist of a game. However, we've yet to really see strong representations for other ethnicities in the starring role outside of games like the Yakuza series and Sleeping Dogs. My question is, do you think this should be... Uh, this should be a focus on changing in upcoming years. I think having a more diverse cast of lead characters, similar to how movies had a shift towards a more diverse cast in recent years, such as the Black Panther and upcoming Shang-Chi movie, would be a great start in uniting the gaming community and tackling problems in the wider world. Thanks for the content, guys, and I hope this makes for a good debate slash conversation on one of your podcasts. Thank you, Reese. Thank, thank you very much, Reese. And I don't think there's going to be any debate here. I think unilaterally we agree yes. that... Uh, <laughs> Absolutely. You know, a more diverse roster of characters would be great. Cast your eye back to the heady years of 2007 to 2013, Mm. where every protagonist on the cover of a game was a bold white man holding a gun. (laughs) Yeah. And that's 
fine, you know, those games were good because they were good or they were bad because they were bad. It had nothing to do with the character on the box. But that doesn't mean that there shouldn't be a push for 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 different colored people to be on the box. Yeah. No, absolutely. Uh and I I'd like to think that that will start happening and and uh sort of filtering through into games, you know, as Reese says, uh you know, the the probably I think it is fair to say that there is a bit more rep- or or a lot more representation for women in video games uh, in the, in the past few years. Um and in in movies, you know, it it would be nice to to think that there is growing diversity in uh, in movie leads as well. Um, we're not. I don't think we're yet seeing it in in games, and I'd like to think, as I say, that it will filter through. You know, I was trying to think when I saw this question of how many uh, protagonists, sort of non-white protagonists, I could actually think of, and I'm talking main protagonists here because what I could think of were lots of very good, strong side characters you know supporting characters you know i really like uh sergeant johnson in halo uh the cold train in gears of war both military men um i'm trying to think of uh, there was seer in um jedi fallen order who uh you know was was sort of the mentor um and then the other thing i thought of was uh you have things like fighting game rosters which i guess almost <laughs> not to take anything away from the developers of those games, but they almost have to be diverse. You know, they're almost forced into diversity there because it would be boring if everyone was the same. So mm. you do have good representation of both genders, uh, or perhaps not both gen, in, maybe in a non-binary sense, maybe more than two genders uh, and and ethnicities. You know, there's usually um, numerous characters from uh, from from Eastern cultures in games like that, um, and uh, uh, you know, I. One example I could think of as well in terms of a non-white character was Eddie Gordo in Tekken, who's Brazilian, I think. Um, but protagonists, not that many. You know, there's you've got um, The Walking Dead, Lee and Clementine. Um, and then what? Alex in Half-Life, who's recently been in that VR game. Uh, but, I mean, I don't know. Can you can you think of any any sort of strong protagonists? Non-white yeah. Films. yeah, I mean, I agree with everything you just said. I was when I was trying to come up with uh, with a few characters that I I've really liked. It wasn't I could think of a, a lot of characters as you could who are people of color, mm. but they do almost entirely exist in support roles, and yeah. uh, you know, or they're just hey, D- Jacob from Mass Effect Two, he's black, isn't he? But actually, when I was thinking about it, I was like, "But actually, he wasn't that great of a character." I'm just, right. I'm just desperately trying to think of of characters who aren't white, and it's yeah. like actually that might be a problem in and of itself. Maybe well, there's yeah, just definitely. not that many to choose from. Sadly, fortunately, I think Naughty Dog frequently goes above and beyond. We've got Nadine mm. Ross and Chloe Frazier. Um, there were I can't remember his name now, but the guy and his brother from the last of us who are who were with joel and ellie for one of the seasons of the game they're mm-hmm. excellent characters oh, not yeah. protagonists though um i think the problem is that while i would love to see more diverse protagonists gamers ugh, are that there's a vocal minority of very childish close-minded um people who who do shout and largely it's trolling but there are some people who genuinely hold these very damaging views uh that 
I've, I mean, I've seen arguments against this kind of inclusion because they say it, that it would feel forced. You know, that's one I, I see a lot. Yeah. It would feel forced to just have a black lead character. But in the games that I've played, where there are sort of uh, leads that aren't white, uh, as you said, Lee and Clementine from The Walking Dead. There's also Delson Rowe from Infamous Second Son, who's Native mm-hmm. American. He's not a great character, but he he is a, he isn't white. Um, and in all of those games, it's never felt like it's forced. You know, no. it's it's just not. It's it's never it's it's never an issue where it feels like they're just doing it for the sake of it, which is such a cynical view, and it seems to be one that a lot of people hold, and that's such a shame. Because playing through those games, there's absolutely no indication that the game is worse off for not having a white protagonist. So I don't see why, if people were to make an argument against more in, being more inclusive, I don't understand fundamentally why that would be an issue. Why having more non-white protagonists and more non-white characters uh, in lead roles or leading roles would affect the game negatively in any regard, ever. Yeah. And, no, and th- that, that that argument has never made sense to me because that that would only make sense in a world where people of color d- barely existed. You know, if mm-hmm. there were sort of if there was sort of half a dozen people of color out there in in the in the real world, uh, and you know, you just never saw them because they were <laughs> scattered across the world. These few people, then nice. sure, if there were lots of uh you know non-white protagonists showing up in games you'd go oh well this isn't very realistic is it or this right. is very jarring seeing a seeing a, an african-american person um but hello like look at the distribution of ethnicities around the world like it, yeah. it there's there's no argument for oh uh, well it would be sort of distracting or feel forced or it would be unusual or strange to see you know an african-american or or a, a south american or uh you know a, a, a non-white protagonist in a game mm-hmm. there's there's no argument there because those people exist they're in the world you see them all the time they're <laughs> it's 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 mad you know yeah yeah um, absolutely and fortunately you know, especially with the movement that's going on at the moment, I'm, you know, it seems like something, something is going to happen. Some things are going to change. They have to. They have mm. to. And fortunately, things have been improving. And I think people, fewer people hold this opinion than ever before, which is fantastic. There's still a long way to go and it's yeah. far from over, but fewer people hold that opinion than ever before. So if we have any listeners that do feel that way, I hope you hear what we're saying. And this is this is the difficult thing because it does, I feel awkward as hell talking about this. Yeah, and me that's, too. The, that's the whole point because it's a really uncomfortable conversation and it's got to be uncomfortable. Peter and I are very white. Mm. We're very fortunate. You know, we don't have to put up with the kind of absolute crap that people of color have had to put up with in countries around the world for forever. You know, we're we're very fortunate and it's difficult for us to talk about this thing, not because we don't want to, but because we don't feel like we have any real right to because we don't we haven't experienced that stuff. But at the same time, we have this platform and it's important that everybody voices their support just in case there are people listening who we've spoken about you know who who disagree with this even it's something as minor as video games in the grand scheme of things in the world you know people who hold those opinions that there shouldn't be more uh, colored faces on the on the cover of games and stuff you know if we can speak directly to those people and even just make a little bit of difference then 
then that's something, you know, that that is something. Yeah, I I feel, and this certainly isn't a, 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 a dig at Reese for asking the question, it's no, more no. a society in general. I feel bad about even as a white person having to say, yeah, of, of course it's okay that, you know, there should be more people of colour in, in video games. Like, it, it shouldn't be up to me. It shouldn't be up to... In a way, it shouldn't be up to anyone. It should just happen naturally. And of course, it doesn't happen naturally because of the world we live in. But I, I feel that one of the reasons it's difficult to talk about is because I'm here saying, oh, I wouldn't have a problem with it. Well, if, of course I wouldn't have a Why? <laughs> what right do I even have to say whether I would or wouldn't have a problem with it? Do you know what I mean? Uh, yeah. I don't know if I'm getting the point across right, but it, it feels difficult to even say whether or not I'm in favour of it or not, other than obviously I want to support the idea. Of course I do. Um, and you sh- you sh- we shouldn't be quiet about these things. But it, yeah, it's it's it just seems like a silly question in, in a certain sense. And again, that's not because of Reese's question. It's because of the society that we live in. But mm. uh, yeah, you know, it's, it's it's a funny thing to say. But I think just one, one thing I wanted to just uh, go back to as well is I think it's quite uh, eye-opening as well, the fact that, yeah, we struggled to think of, uh, you know, non-white protagonists. Um, and you came up with a couple of, of games that I have played, you know, uh, Nadine Ross and uh, and Chloe Fraser. Um, and I sort of went, oh, yeah. And, I, you know, that, that even in itself is bad enough that there are so few that, you know, when someone can come up with one, it's like, oh, yeah, you know, well done for thinking of one. You know, that's mm-hmm. terrible. That, that 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 is even a phenomenon yeah um yeah but uh, yeah in full support of of having a more diverse uh, diverse diverse <laughs> roster of lead characters mm. you know i think that's that's only a good thing and it, people shouldn't feel we've spoken about this before about other things people just shouldn't feel threatened by it some no. people have this knee jerk reaction with video games that that people are coming for their video games we talked about it with mental health you know gaming addiction just because mm. it exists and just because things are changing doesn't mean your video games are under threat they're still going to be there it's it's important to embrace this kind of stuff and uh yeah yeah fully in support of it absolutely fully. Yeah. now it's it's been quite a not a heavy episode but there have been some big topics and of course we would like to hear what you have to say please keep it civil you know the, mm. the, we just we just it's important to talk to each other not shout at each other and uh, we would like to know what you think. So feel free to, to leave a comment or tweet us or what, however you want to interact. And Peter is going to tell you how you can do that. Yes, absolutely. You can, uh, of course, interact on uh, YouTube and Twitch where we put out all of our content and we do our streams. That's youtube.com and twitch.tv forward slash team triple jump. Uh, when we stream, Lord Brotovich and Tesla Prumps are modding and making sure that you keep it keep it civil. All right. Keep it mm-hmm. civil. Uh, we got social media where you can get in touch with us. Twitter.com and Facebook.com forward slash Team Triple Jump. Luke Eldon is looking after Facebook, doing an excellent job, as always. 
We've got a Patreon, patreon.com forward slash team triple jump. All kinds of rewards over there. You can ask questions on this podcast. You can get worst games ever two days early. Uh, there's sort of uh, extra merchandise related tiers. Go check it out. We've got a Discord, bit.ly forward slash team triple jump. That's modded by Jack, Joe, and Crimson Dragonfly, who are also doing a great job. The podcast, if you're watching on YouTube, is available in audio form at play.acast.com forward slash s forward slash triple jump. The website, triplej.mup, our career postings are now gone. But keep an eye; uh, there will be more in due course, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. And uh, all of our live, I, all of our live stream vods are available at tripleje.mup forward slash vods. Fantastic! You can follow Peter on Instagram at that Peter Austin, and you can follow him on Twitter at that Peter Austin, and myself at confused underscore dude. We do lists every Tuesday and Thursday, streams every Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. Thursday usually being on YouTube, uh, but uh, this week we did it on Twitch because we were streaming in aid of uh, the charity Colors of uh, Color of Change. Sorry, and is it Colors or Color? Color, I think. Color of Change, yeah. and. Um, the the plugin that we're using only works on Twitch, so we were we were there for that. Uh, worst games ever. It's fortnightly Friday for patrons of a certain tier, Sunday for everyone else. No worst games this week, but there will be one next week. Podcast is every Saturday, and shows if we had them, there'd be every other week. Speaking of which, actually, we do have a new show that may have gone out. Maybe. Yeah. I yeah. mean, at time of recording, I'm about to send it to Ben to see what he thinks, and he might say no. Rubbish. rubbish stop it we're not putting that out but uh theoretically it went out yesterday mm. uh it is uh, a new show that we're calling what x means to me what that means to me where uh we sit down for a few minutes uh talk about a game that has some significance to us quite a chill vibe hopefully that we're going for you know uh study study games to listen to uh or no what is it study study beats to game to listen yes. i don't know uh, Lo- lo-fi beats yeah but well i was yeah i was trying to do a gaming version but yeah it's lo-fi beats to study to but uh anyway um so uh that has gone out uh we hope you liked it ben i'm sure we'll be doing an episode in due course um and we'd maybe like to get some of our industry friends on there as well yeah maybe point. maybe we'll see we'll yeah. see hopefully totally hopefully you liked it let us know yeah. yeah, it's the kind of stuff that we want. Uh, we we want you to be able to listen to before you go to bed, nice and relaxing, and just chill and chill and and watch slash listen to it and hear us talk about a game that's really important to us and uh, and then drift off into sleepy land. Lo-fi games to sleep to is something. There it is. Like, I was going for something like that, and I just all my nouns did a did a big old orgy together. Nice. Yeah. Make sure you leave a review on iTunes or your platform of choice. It helps something to do with Al Gore's rhythms. There was a big list that went out this week. Every Fallout companion ranked from worst to best. Oh, it's subjective. Why don't you go and get mad and go and watch it? Go and get really annoyed Hmm. uh, because we didn't put your... Why is Preston Garvey not number one? Outrageous. So go and watch that when you have a moment. It's about an hour long. Again, it's another one you great one you can watch before bed. Just sit in bed and watch it. It'd be great. It'd be really Tripped good. Off. Yeah. And finally, triplejur.mup forward slash BLM. That's Black Lives Matter. Uh, if you go there, you can donate to the charity Color of Change. Our uh, we've been we've been taking donations for a few days now. You know, taking donations on stream as well. We all 100 percent of the uh, 
the donations from the streams on Thursday and Friday have have gone straight to this charity fund and we're leaving it open until Monday. Uh, so if you would like to donate, you still can. Triplejar.mup forward slash BLM. Mm-hmm. Peter. Yeah. Uh, let's talk, talk about that really good sponsor again. Yes, it is. Uh, would you like to win all the turnips? All of them. I don't Every know single anymore. one. The grand prize, a lifetime supply of turnips. You yeah. can do so by getting an animal, doing doing something with it. I don't really want to. I don't really want to repeat it, to be honest. Um, in fact, let me. Yeah. Um. We're not. What's what's happening? You ripping up the ad read? Yeah, I'm not. I don't. They're they're cancelled. We're not. Oh, hang on. I've just got word that actually there's. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. There's some sort of uh, veterinary institute who wants to sponsor us for this last section. Oh. Um, uh, Sort of focusing on dental hygiene for animals. Oh, fantastic. Have you got it there? Can you see it? Uh, Can you see what's in my mind there? Uh, Yeah, I've got it. I've got got the ad read right here. Yeah. Uh, Sponsored by uh, Animal Flossing. There it is. Yeah, they sound good. They sound much nicer, don't they? Yeah. We'll go with that one. Fantastic. Thank you so much for watching uh, slash listening, everybody. And we'll be back this time next week. Take care of yourselves and, uh, and and be safe out there. Indeed. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.